2: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet.
3: Welcome to Wednesday's A Celtic State of Mind Bulletin, where it is my utmost pleasure to welcome Colin Watt and Brian Degnan and myself, Kevin Graham, into your lives for the next hour or so to talk about all things Celtic. Lads, it's been a wee while since we've been all together on a Wednesday, so Colin, how's things been?
4: It's all right, lads, you know, I mean, it's. Uh, I thought it's. I thought you would all gone and left me. I had uh Kev McCluskey in, we previewed the, the Glasgow derby, and that went well. And then Paul last week, and we previewed the game, and it was 7 0. So, I mean, lads, no pressure coming back in here, but I'm looking for a stellar performance. And then uh, we better get a big victory at the weekend, otherwise, you two will be dropped going forward. None of this, Kevin Graham's in charge here. We will drop you's if we don't get the victory at the weekend, the pressure is now on. Uh,
3: the pressure is now on, Brian. After that, is that can, can we call that a threat? Can we call that a threat, or is it, a, 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 or is that a laying down the gauntlet to us?
5: I think it's the, the gauntlet. I think it's like an old school slap of the glove across the shop surface if they, I'm on. But fair enough, we have left in notch. But just like the Celtic squad, we've got a full strength team back. Well, we get Kev Graham, who's a key we'll goal of <laughs> oh! Did And we're returning back to full fitness just in time for the run in. So, so it's good to be back. It is good to be back. We've
3: got plenty to discuss, obviously. We've got a massive game at the weekend, but last night we had the B team. We've had a Dermot Desmond interview as well since we've been missing Brian. Uh, We've got some things in not the 10 o'clock news and obviously we'll take the viewers' questions as usual. But I'm going to bring up a comment first from Ben515 who comes in and says, is it right that if Villarreal won the Champions Trophy, it will put Celtic, it will put in doubt our, our hopefully, hopefully um, passage into the Champions League? It does and it there. doesn't. Uh, it, it does and it doesn't. Um, mainly because of what's happening in the Ukraine. <laughs> at, at the moment, it looks like Russian teams will still be expelled, and Celtic would, or Rangers, or whoever is the Scottish Champions, would get that spot in the Champions League. But, aye, I. I, I On the face of it, Colin, Al doing one on Bayern Munich last night (laughs) wasn't good (laughs) for the overall chances,
4: eh? It didn't overly help as much, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how they got on in the the next round. It was a fantastic performance. Bayern, for me, have been a team that haven't quite hit the heights this season. Um, They've got a fantastic squad there, but I'm sure they'll be looking to the the summer transfer window and they'll be bringing a couple of players in to to mix it up a wee bit Um, what I have to say is talking about Champions League football that Chelsea Real Madrid game last night was a fantastic watch for anybody that's seen it that was proper pure football Uh, two teams going at it and then another 30 minutes added time which was superb as well so um, yeah as I say Villarreal still been in it not great but by the looks of things um, I don't think we'll see an end to this conflict going on over in the the Ukraine-Russia at the minute, so uh, it'll probably play into our favour. Although, guys, did you you manage to see the episode um, that you both missed, and it was myself and Kevin McCluskey? A couple of weeks ago, it just shows you boys, they're not watching if they're not on it. There we go, right? (laughs) Um, But it was myself and Kevin McCluskey, and we had a not-the-ten-o'clock news Um, And we were telling the story of the Ukrainian football podcaster who Kevin had managed to befriend uh, because he moved to to Hungary. I just want to give everybody a wee update that um, Adam's still doing really well. And as far as we've been told, um, he's going to be moving to Luxembourg very shortly where he's got a new job. So it looks like him and his family will be safe with a new life in Luxembourg, which is fantastic considering about what, six, eight weeks ago when this conflict started then everything was up in the air and now he's he's got a settled life now so it's fantastic news.
3: It is fantastic news and we Kevin McCluskey has been utterly uh, fantastic with him since, since Adam's moved to, moved to Budapest so Kevin has actually showed a right Celtic state of mind uh, when when are helping Adam out and it just shows it. it's a, a lot wider world out, out there Colin, you are talking about elite-level football and um, that Champions League game last night was elite-level football. It's only a level of football that we could dream of ever reaching uh, over the next couple of years. There's always hope we Hans call Coglu, in charge. But you watch the Champions League, you've probably, you've probably got two tellies, a laptop or something like that. I was watching the beating, the Celtic part. Yep. And it wasn't elite level football I must actually say truthfully it wasn't much of a game um Obviously Celtic moved it to Celtic Park to give the B team a kind of flavour and feel of what it's like to play at Celtic Park, Brian. But it's, I think, it overawed some of them. It was a game of nerves and mistakes at times. It was settled, the defeat was settled by a horrendous goalkeeping error for a corner kick. What did you think of the game, Brian? I know that you were watching it. I thought it was there was no much between the teams, It was a mistake that settled the game and Celtic sort of suffered after the goal. They lost a bit of confidence after the goal and I think the subs killed Celtic's momentum, eh? What what did you think overall?
5: Yeah, I hardly disagree with that, I think. I would say I was a wee bit disappointed. That's the first time I've really watched the B squad um, for a full game and I've got to say that there was a real lack of composure for the players. and You know they're young and you know that Although they're trying to play the same sort of system as the first team, they're not going be quite there, so you do make allowances for that. But some of the, yeah, there just seemed a real lack of composure throughout the team. There's only a few that, that stood out for me. Um, I sort of put them into two camps. I put them into the camp of players that I think are good players with potential, but probably won't feature next season. And then players that I think could probably maybe get maybe 10 games next season, maybe even off the bench. So I think the all the keeper made a horrendous mistake and I'd actually messaged you, I think, in the group chat and said, Keeper's looking good, I think he would get a chance and then he made an absolute howler. So that was that was classic under tree for me. But um I do think um the way he was was looked athletic, looked uh, composed. I think he could be good backup for, for Joe Hart. Obviously a lot to learn, but I would like to see him step up. Um Carimoko it's Karimoko, We know he's going to feature, but I thought like, um, Awesome Law was looked looked a real standout for me. Um, it was interesting because I looked at him and I thought a, he's a big usually, You know, some size and I checked on Celtic website because he was five foot nine, which either that or a picked was four foot tall because he's, he's a he's a beast.
3: Um, this this seems to be a, a regular occurrence with the Celtic website that everybody seems to be five foot nine.
5: I, I, well, Stephen mouse was listed as 6-13 which you can only dream about being but um, the big wall um, uh, strong, fast composed in the ball um, he looked like he was driving the play forward and he's somebody I think could actually if he was dropped in next to Carter Vickers for a, a, a league game as a rotation thing, I could probably see that happening, so he was one that was quite excited about um, I like Kenny up front, I thought he'd He'd a lot of pace, and I thought he really worked hard. And I can imagine that fitness system quite well. Although again, composure. Um, More fit in midfield was strange. That was a strange,
3: one. Was a strange, strange one.
5: one. I actually thought he'd done quite well considering he's not really midfield. He'd done this sort of hitati role where he was very close to the left winger and in the middle three. And he did have a lot of energy, but again, quite rash. No real composure. And then the other two that really kind of left an impression were. Boy Vata. So he he looks physically. In fact, him and Wiley say the same thing. They both physically look capable, you know, quite athletic lads. Um and they'd a bit about them. I thought secreted them. And again, you'd imagine they probably need a bit more time because they didn't look I couldn't imagine off the bench for Celtic sure at the moment. Um, so in summary the keeper, like Lall and I think he probably do a job next season. Um but other than that. I wasn't I wasn't party in the street
3: about like, the future if I'm honest Ross Connolly comes in <laughs> calling before I come to you before the game Celtic's B team looked really weak last night centre mid especially Vata was the only one that might get into the first team at this point I thought Vata had a quiet game up until about the last 15 or 20 minutes right. just after Rangers scored then, then he was taken off just when he looked like he was actually getting into the game for me I liked the way Celtic looked I like the way that I liked the the way that we looked what we were trying to do, do. but the execution just wasn't there last night at all. I like what, what Brian's already pointed out. Brian's already pointed out you had the uh, 2 uh, and uh, Law. You had two mobile, big mobile centre halves who looked comfortable on the ball and could move about the pitch. I think that's the way Ange Postecoglou is going to go. But there were just certain things that just didn't work at that level last night.
4: Uh, I'm going to disagree with you in a minute, um, but the, the one thing that I was I found was um, quite interesting was before the game they were speaking to um, the the head of youth development. They were saying that um, was it the boy core was playing right back last night, and he's a, a natural, he, he's a natural. He's a natural centre half, mm-hmm. so that you could tell that that was something that Rangers tried to exploit quite early on. He didn't look very comfortable on the ball. Um, Speaking about 0-2 and Lowell, I thought Lowell, of the two of them, was outstanding. I thought he was very comfortable on the ball. I thought 0-2 was given a very, very tough game by Tony Weston up front. I thought he was their, their star man for Rangers last night. He, he's someone who looks as if he's far better than the level that he's playing at right now. And That's what you're looking for when you're looking at these B teams. You're looking to see who is better than the Lowland League level. and There was only... Uh, Brian says there was only a few of them on the park that it looked as if they could make that step up. Maybe not to the first team of their own teams, but um, maybe going on to a championship team on loan next season or even a, a lower premiership team on loan. So um, I didn't think O2 had a great game. And I know that he was on out, sorry, out on loan at Clyde last season um, and he was playing at left-back. So I just wonder, has he got his position right? Is he a natural centre half? Is he a left back? Something to look into going forward. Um, the midfield did look very weak last night. There wasn't a lot that um, Celtic could get control of the ball, and they're trying to play the same style of football that the first team are playing, which is exactly what you want to see. You want to see that going through the whole of the academy. But as you said, Kev, they, they didn't look comfortable to do that, and Rangers closed them down time and time and time again, and managed. They were, in fact, they were a the better team in the first half. Um, in the second half, it was when Celtic came alive and they, they created their chances. Going up front, Dembele was man-marked by about three or four people every time he got the ball, so he wasn't able to to do anything. Um, Johnny Kenny, when he got his opportunities, he kind of snatched at a couple of them, but um, he was getting into the right position. Some of the play, especially from Vata, um, was very, very impressive and the second half i thought the the sort of one touch interplay was really really good um but i didn't think celtic ever looked as if they were going to cause the the goalkeeper any problems last night It didn't uh, to me i thought it was going to finish nothing each to be perfectly honest and if it wasn't for that sort of um mistake from all oh, the yami at the end then i think it would have finished nil nil it was it wasn't a great standard of football last night i think the two teams are not used to playing in front of the, the crowd. It was a great crowd at Celtic Park last night. A big shout-out to the, the boys' group who were singing from the word go. You could hear them, uh, and they, they kind of pointed them out as well on commentary. But um, I don't know what was worse, to be honest. Some of the play that was on the park, I haven't listened to Tom Boyd for 90 minutes.
3: I kind I of had the sound down. Tom Boyd's very vocal way support, and sometimes he's got green-tinted specs, but that's what you want for your club TV. You don't want your club TV to be utterly slaughtering the lads. And I think there may have been a wee bit harsh. Natasha Michell, who was representing a Celtic state of mind at Celtic Park last night, and she got to talk to Tommy McIntyre after the game. She says, "'Great to see Ange and the full management team in attendance last night, but I don't think there would have been much to impress them.'" I think these games, you get 90 minutes, you maybe only get 30, 40 touches of the ball. I think statistically you sometimes only get 30, 40 seconds on a ball in, in 90 minutes. And Postokoglu, Brian, will be looking at these guys at training, how they measure up day in, day out on the, intense, the intensity of the training against the current first team players. And it's very harsh for us to judge, But then that's what we do. We'll judge the 90 minutes that we actually watched last night. And and both teams were on the wrong side of terrible last night, actually, truthfully. But Posta Coglu will be actually having a look at these guys eh? because they are the the fringe players. And he's made it very clear this week that the training is high intensity. So if these boys are showing at a training, we may see them in the first team.
5: I mean the thing you remember is you're only basing it on I think Colin said a good point is that you're watching these games you just want to see who stands out who looks a cut above and as I say for me it was just a uh, big law in, in, in the keeper but I think one of the things I think Andrew would have probably been looking at is how the players worked off the ball as well as on it and that's why I think Kenny probably showed up quite well because he was, he was constantly running constantly moving a lot faster than I, I, I thought I think he worked hard so I think he'd have maybe caught the eye just in terms of how Ange likes his strikers to press for the front um, and of course we don't see what we see every day in training we can see that but every game but you do have to look at how these players show up when they've got the opportunity and, and you, you, if you want to be successful you need to take the opportunity when it comes and, and I'm not sure there was many of them really really grabbed it and I, th- I think that the looking concern for me and, and listen as I say I'm not being too harsh on because they are young but I felt there wasn't really anybody other than Long really took the game by discovering an egg. I really should have a lot of composure, especially in the middle, um, which could have been the formation, could have been the personnel I But just based on last night, it, it, it doesn't fill me with loads of hope. But the positive of it is the fact that, as, as you said, Kev, they're not really the same system as the first team. So that is kind of indicative that. There is a pathway to start to develop. There is something to say, look, you play this way, you train this way. It is an easier route to the first team. It just may be the case that we need to be a bit more sort of, stringent or maybe relook at the type of youngsters we're bringing in and hope they bring in for that purpose because, you know, midfield did look really weak last night.
3: It's interesting, Brian, a. Owen Moffat played in... Uh... The number eight, number six role last night. He actually flitted in between the two, but he's got a League Cup winners' medal this season. Mm. He came on in the League Cup final. He's got a League Cup winners' medal. I think he's one of the oldest in that side. Is he nineteen? Yeah, Yeah, he's Uh, nineteen at that side. This is a crucial time for Owen Moffat and Colin. I thought it was really interesting to actually see him in the middle of the park, and we can maybe see there's a reason that he's playing in that role. For me, I think.
4: He was in there to accommodate Karamoko Dembele last night. That's, that's for me, the reason that he played that position. Um, when you look at some of the, the other players that have played in there this year, he's not someone who's traditionally um, playing in that sort of 6-8 role. Sometimes he plays as a 10 behind the two strikers and you see him with a lot of assists this season and he's got a lot of goals from there. But he's naturally out on the left-hand side and what happened was playing him and Karamoko... Obviously, trying to get as much attacking threat onto the park as possible last night. I don't think it necessarily worked. No, um, but you're going to try these things, and you're going to try and accommodate these players because when they're still at that young age, you can coach them into a different position. You take a look at guys like uh, Christopher Ayer, who at the age of sixteen, seventeen, was only then starting to play at centre half. It wasn't until it wasn't as if he was a natural centre half all the way through. He, he worked his way back. He started as a striker and worked his way back. So. At a younger age, you still can coach these players into those positions. Whether Moffat will continue to do that in training going forward, I don't know. But when he's got that sort of natural talent, I'd like to think that we can try and exploit that because one of the positions I'd like to see the first team strengthen going forward in the summer is in the wide positions because I think we are sort of lacking in that sort of backup for the wider positions going forward next year.
3: That is true, but It depends what actually happens in the summer and we will speak about that later Natia- Natasha comes back in uh, about Tommy McIntyre and Tommy McIntyre says last night that uh, the average age of the team across the season has been 17.2 years so a very young squad it is a very young squad I think uh, Rocco Vat has just turned 16, 16 yeah. and when you see that last 15-20 minutes from him before he was actually taken off it was extremely impressive for a 16-year-old, truthfully. We'll, we'll move on from last night and we'll, we'll go to the tagline. Uh, we may as well talk about the tagline because it's something that we never usually get round to because we usually start talking about other nonsense. The tagline, Why in Maida" is Undroppable for Celtics Running. Ange Postacoglu yesterday says that there's no update on George Yakamakis, even though it looked like he was training yesterday, judging by the pictures that Celtic TV put out, and David Turnbull. And I must admit, on Saturday, when Yakamakis went down injured, I did have a wee thought to myself. I says, I'm actually glad that's not Dyson Maeda, because over the last couple of weeks, since the Livingston game, I think Dyson Maeda has been the most pivotal book Pivotal player alongside Call- Callum McGregor and Celtic's upturning performances. I'm sitting where I, where I sit at Celtic Park, I sit at 4 1 2 and can see the whole pitch, lads, right? I didn't even see him coming when he runs in to get the ball. I can see the whole pitch and he just appears. So I utterly do not know what the defenders on the pitch actually know when they say they just do not see him coming, he just appears. He just goes, where did you come from? And he runs, he wins the ball, the high up press and what he actually brings to that front line. If Yakamakis doesn't make it on Sunday, yes, it'll be a blow, but I'm more than happy for Maida to actually take over that central role, mainly because... He orchestrates what's good about Ange Poster Celtic. Is Ange Poster Celtic summed up in an actual player? It's the press, it's the one in the back one in the ball back, is getting himself into scoring positions. It's it's a constant movement. And I think he's been utterly fantastic in the life the last five or six games. And for me going on in Colin, is going to be the first name on the team sheet.
4: Yeah, I agree with you to an extent no, there. I would have him as the first name on the team sheet, but I'm not necessarily sure I would play him through the middle. I, I still think that he is the the sort of surprise to the defence because he's coming in from the wings. When you see him, he's kind of getting in behind his man he's on the left-hand side or he's on the right-hand side, depending on whatever side he's kind of charging down because he's done it at both ways. He's done it at Ibrox, coming in from the right and getting in behind the striker. He did it on Saturday, coming in from the left and getting in behind the striker. And what I was very impressed with of the very little that we saw was the interplay between Kyogo and Maeda when they came on. And for me it suggests that Kyogo is your man to go through the middle if Yakamaka isn't fit. Because the interplay that they've got, the, the way that they know how each other plays, I mean, that goal from Abada is absolutely outstanding. For me, I know there was the, the goal just before it, where there was what, uh, 46 passes and 100 and odd touches of the ball. Was
3: what, what, was there 46 passes? Was it no? because we've seen 42 46
4: 47 it, and my take it was a load of passes. It was a load so. of passes. We'll go with that. Right? It's a, it's a safer option. Um and I don't think that you can afford to put someone like Kilgo out on the left-hand side. His play through the middle is outstanding. Every like, that pass that he played to Maeda is probably second only to Jota's pass to him in the Europa League earlier on in the season for maybe pass of the year. That is how good that ball was. Just to kind of take a a look up, get down, chip the ball forward, made a cut in from the left, wins the ball and a badder, puts it in the back of the net. That that to me was one of the best goals I've seen this season. And I know the the, the loads of passes goal was outstanding, but that that one's every bit as good for the technique. That's required for him to actually see him come in ahead of him. So, if you can get sixty minutes out of Kyogo on Saturday, eh, sorry, on Sunday, then to me that's the one that you have to go with because you can get the game dead and buried after sixty minutes. And Kyogo loves playing on the bigger pitch at, at Hamden. You saw it against Hibs. You see how desperate he was and how his movement was second to none that day as well. If you, you can imagine him and. Maida coming at you and whoever you pick on the other side whether it be a badder who looked fresh coming off the bench whether it was Jota who's pinpoint uh, cross into Maida got the goal either way you're terrified of the three of them whichever three it is coming at you on Sunday
3: I'm not terrified I'm supporting the team that has got the three and
4: I'm actually I I
3: couldn't give you a a toss about what the opposition think of it. I'm just enjoying watching the options that we've got. We've had a couple of guys came in, Brian, or one girl, I apologise, Chloe. Uh, She says Maeda, Abada and Yota. Uh, And Peter NG, Mick, uh, says, if GG, then Abada in the middle, Maeda left and Yota right, Kyogo can come off the bench and scare the bejesus out of the Rangers. Uh, Couple of shouts for a badder through the middle there, Brian. What's your thoughts on that?
5: <clears throat> so it depends. So firstly, on Maeda, I hold my hands up. I, I was, I was quite critical of him when he first came in. Uh, more than the uh, rest. I just I never really got it at first. I, I couldn't see. I thought he's just running about. He's not really doing anything. And I'm glad to see that I, I, I've been, you know, totally turned around and had my zone because he is. It, it, it's hard to imagine him on the side now in such a short space of time and what he's done is incredible and what's so interesting about him is I, I think his best position is on the left as well and um, currently the like, second striker the work he does off the ball is just it, it's hard to it's hard to put a finger on how much good said it do based off the pressure he puts on other people because the way he affects the other teams is just fantastic even he's not on the ball it's incredible in regards to starting, so let, let's, for the sake of the conversation, make the assumption that like, um, Yaki Marcus isn't playing right. We're going to assume he's injured, or he's trained. I still think he put Maeda through the middle, with a bad right shot to left, based on the fact that that's what he done against the Johnson. Now, I know he might not want to throw you on right away, but I still think that system works really well because Maeda can still do his good work against that whole back line and you've got a badder cutting in and doing that almost second striker role. I've said before, I, I think Abada sometimes looks like a striker playing out wide, but I still think that's best for him because he's so good at cutting in when no one's marking him. He really takes advantage of those cross balls coming in. So I'd like Abada out right. So I would still have Jota left, Maida through the middle, and Abada right. I think the only All thing... Sorry, is, if fit, Does he start... Angie sort of hinted Kyogo won't start, which makes you think it'll be Maeda, Jota, Abada. I think he probably will start. I think it's one of Angie's wee fibs that he's done in the past, where he's been a bit cagey and started them. If that's the case, then I think Kyogo starts through the middle, Maeda left, and Jota right. Any of those, The reality is any of those three combinations: Jota, Maeda, Abada, uh, Maeda, Kyogo, Jota. It's brilliant. Like any of those three up front, is an excellent, excellent front line for me, and I'd have, I would have no qualms after what, you know, combination it is. I say I do think Maidas best out left, but I suspect he'll put him through the middle. Um, I don't think he sees. I know I've had this play through the middle in the past because he's through necessity. I don't imagine he starts from there, if I'm honest. But you know, before
4: I think one of the things where Maida's been so successful is this partnership with Yakimakis. Yakimakis is able to draw the defenders into him and made us able to get behind. He's able to exploit the pace that he's got. And I just wonder, and obviously we have saw this with um, Ange all season, as he'll tell you that someone's out for six weeks and the next minute they're on the bench <laughs> next week. So it's, it's one to keep an eye out for is um, whether he's actually fit or not. Um, I think when you look at it, though, if you put down into the middle, you're still looking for that physical um, outball. And I don't know if he is someone who can hold the ball up and link up the play. I know Kyogo's been able to do it earlier in the season. Yakimakis has been the best at it since he came into the team. So if you're not able to connect those three up front, as frightening as they are, they still have to find a way to hold the ball up because you, you are going to have periods of possession where um, Rangers are going to be up top, you, you saw it at Ibrox. You saw exactly what Celtic's plan was at Ibrox. Once the, the goals were up there, you sort of defended. You you let them get wide, and they, they crossed the ball in, and we cleared it out. But you needed someone up there to hold it up, and we didn't really have that until we made the changes. Because when Jack came off, there was there was nothing there. Um, I I think if you don't have the big man up front on Saturday, it's too much of a risk to play a badder or Mieda through the middle because they're not able to hold the ball up as much. I still think Kyogo's your guy, even if it is only for 60 minutes. And then you can maybe change it up and look at just a pure pace front three after that with the likes of a bad digging through. But you've got to try and get the game done as soon as possible. Tire them out. They've got a game on Thursday night. If they go to extra time, if they go to penalties, they're going to be absolutely knackered. Just get in and kind of bully them about the game.
5: Bully them. Of the interesting things as well, Colin. because um, I see I, I I prefer me out left. But the reason I prefer him out left is for the reasons you're saying as well as cutting into him as a badder, as a second striker, but I think the effect he has on Taylor and Hatati, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a coincidence that their performances have picked up, it's his performance levels have improved. I think Taylor's been excellent recently. And I think his relationship with Hatati is really good. I think, my, um, sorry, Maida, and I think Hitati's relationship with Maida is really good as well. He seems to prove that kneeling Copwell is a sort of left-sided triangle, if you will, at that point. So I think the effect he has on the team out left is so important. That's why I, I would rather he wouldn't go through the middle. But I just don't see him. I think if I had to pick, and again, this is assuming that he would not not start when, uh Jack Marcus is uh, injured still, if I absolutely had to pick of Maida and Abada through the middle I'd probably still go with Maeda, but I don't think like you I don't think either of them would be my first choice for the reasons mm. you because I, I do think what's better better be with Gigi or, or Kyogo and, and I, Maeda
4: I've left. got to say at times when you're looking at it on Saturday Greg Taylor was the furthest man forward at times he's he was been sitting it. playing in that, that sort of 10 role, and I was thinking if you get the ball to him he's got so much space on that left hand side and you could see that's where Jota was making the most of it because the defenders were focusing on where Greg Taylor was, it gave Jota a lot of space, and that cross-in for this goal was was outstanding.
3: It it was outstanding. I'm not allowed to talk about Greg Taylor anymore, because, (laughs) as everybody knows, (laughs) I'm not allowed to talk about him anymore, because um, I was... Look, I know he's got his faults. I think he's been absolutely fantastic over the last couple of weeks. I did make a wild prediction at one point, I think it was post-game, that he would be a future captain of Celtic. Have we actually worked out who Callum McGregor gave the armband to when he went off on Saturday?
4: Nah, I was too busy enjoying the game. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm I'm hoping it's Greg Taylor so that production's actually <laughs> came right. <laughs> um, I, I I understand. For me, my my probably sympathetic view towards Greg Taylor was mainly because I reckon he was getting a hard time because he wasn't Kieran Tierney, and that was my only only gripe. I'll support Greg. Uh, I think he's been fantastic. As you say, the last couple of games he's been utterly brilliant for us, both defensively and and also going forward. Um, You have got Juranovic. I mean, there was a shout that Juranovic was the best left back at the club. That wasn't a shout that I, I, I indulged myself in. I always says that Greg Taylor was the best left back at the club, and we can make of that what what you will. Um, but I, I think Danielle F comes in and makes a great point here. Need to keep my on my on the wing. Love him when you're. A, when him and Yota switch during the game confuses the opposition. There was a time on Saturday when the whole midfield swapped round. And Yotan and, and Rogic went to the left hand went to the left hand side. And a uh, Hatati and Maida went to the right hand side. And it was when Yakamakis got injured, Colin. Mm-hmm. And you could see the St. Johnson players arguing with each other as if to go, who's meant to be picking up who now because it was quite obvious that they were trying to do a man marking job and and it never worked. And when they swapped sides you could actually see not the panic but the chaos it was actually causing. And you've seen it with Maeda. you saw it at Ibrox with Maeda as well. When he when they swapped sides and you could actually see a uh, Balogun and a uh, Golden I think it was pointing out who's picking up who here. Mm-hmm. The front three is there to cause ultimate chaos. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Danielle's right. We do. We well will lose something if we move Maeda out from the wing on 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 a Sunday.
4: Uh, we we all spoke about the game last week, and we were saying maybe this person will come in, maybe that person will come in, maybe the next person will come in. What happened? You look at the team sheet, and it's the exact same team that played the week before. So I think Andrew's now getting to the stage of if he doesn't have to make changes, he won't make them. So it'll only be if someone's actually injured and cannot play the game that they won't play now i don't know why roger came off at half time i've still not found out why i'd like to think that he he'll be fit but i thought he had a fantastic first 45 minutes on saturday and then you look at the replacement that came on matt o'reilly another fantastic 45 minutes that's a great headache to have as well um but you take a look at it kevin you're you're saying to yourself That performance on Saturday, as great as it was, and I I said this on Twitter, so I'll say it again, that was the worst team I've ever seen turn up at Celtic Park. They were pathetic on Saturday, St Johnston. It was almost as if as soon as it went to 2 or 3-0, they just went, that's it, game's done. And they chucked it. And they they let Celtic play to the best of their abilities. And if it wasn't for their goalkeeper, it was double figures for the 60th or 70th minute. I've seen teams in League 1 and League 2 that have came here for a cup tie or um, we've played them in friendlies or whatever it is, come out and actually have a go at Celtic. St Johnston were pathetic on Saturday and if they go down, they absolutely deserve it. I don't think they're going to go down because
3: uh, Dundee are, absolute, are worse than them <laughs> and, and I think that will save say them. I don't know who's second in the Championship, so I don't know who the playoff are brough. They might get saved eh, because they, they actually are playing. Are bro. I, I mean, I thought. I just thought we were absolutely fantastic on on mm-hmm. eh, on, on on Saturday, Brian. And I, I sometimes don't really have a look at the opposition. Eh, I just I mean, if we don't play well, I find it's our problem. It's no for me to actually bother about the opposition. Eh. Um, but I thought we were. I thought. I want, I, sorry, on you go. I, sorry, I think it
5: was, a, it was a perfect storm of things like. So I, like. I mean, St. Johnson were awful, but I don't think—I think it was a match of them having a bad day or having the best day, and then it, sort of, it just—it just so happened a perfect storm. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, I don't know if I'd say the worst thing I've ever coming to Parkhead, but I, I think that we were just excellent. I think anyone would have really struggled. They might not have shot seven, and I do think their heads went down, but they couldn't get the ball. I mean, the, the ball retention was absolutely phenomenal, and you could see really clearly you know we saw it in, in points throughout the season from maybe 45 minutes maybe 60 minutes you know the exact perfect model of this is what an to hold good team is and we've seen it in flashes we've seen it for an hour and I think that was the first time we really saw it start to finish um, which probably coincides with the fact we've got a full squad and stuff like that and I just thought we were absolutely excellent I, I think by any metric we were brilliant and I think I think any team would any team in Scotland come to us on that form would they get battered Um, and I think yeah Johnson were rotten but I think I don't think we gave them a chance to be good I think we we dominated possession dominated off the ball if we lost the ball we got it back so quickly the attacking impetus was so strong the the movement of the ball I thought um, Starfield was excellent his passes forward so was Carter Vickers there was none of this movement in the sides everything just it was one of those cases where everything worked for a few 90 minutes and every player was excellent. Now, you're not going to get that often and you've got that against an opposition who weren't very good and a limited anyway, so I think it was a perfect storm, but, but what wonderful to watch. Like One of the best, best games I, I've watched mm-hmm. for, for so long. I mean, really, really special stuff, I thought.
4: I'd, I'd nothing like, away from the, the performance that Celtic had on Saturday. I just... Well, I just thought that St Johnson were extremely poor in that game. I mean, there was a time, I think it was um, they had the chance to get the breakaway and Stevie May was coming down and he just saw the two defenders and went, ah, I'm not going to get any further. Kind of uh-huh. threw one at, at goal for about 35 yards? And you're thinking a team, they, they didn't look as if they had any sort of tactics or style of play or how they wanted to set up for the game. And it could be for the fact that we scored so early on that the game plan went totally out the window. And that's what I want to see more from Celtic going forward is getting that early goal because we've shown on Saturday when you get that early goal, you can set the tempo and that 7 nothing isn't just going to be a one-off. We can maybe go and do that again before the end of the season. Hopefully. Um, hopefully I mean, you look at teams like Motherwell who uh, they have picked up 1-1 since the turn of the year. When they come to Celtic Park later on in the season, you're thinking, right, if we get that sort of um, performance and start early doors you just never know what's going to happen and as you say all the players were on the, the top of the form and they were allowed to be as well even the subs when they came off the bench sometimes it takes a sub a wee while to get into the game everybody looks as if they'd started the game that's how well that they, they sort of fitted in and it was as you say the perfect storm on Saturday and it was a great great game to be at and I enjoyed every single minute of it Earlier on in the season, Ange
3: Postecoglou, when he first arrived, Ange Postecoglou spoke about performance. I focus on performances. I don't really focus on our metrics are all performances. We've all seen the YouTube video where he actually talks about it's all about certain things happening. We've only we've only dropped six points since since the start of the season. Basically. Um, and you look at December, we, we had a slog in December when we, won, when we were winning games one nothing. we were sneaking through games and all of that. And even though it's fantastic winning games of football, sometimes you think to yourself, we're just sneaking this, we're winning, it's great, uh, it gives you a wee boost that you won, but we're just sneaking games of football. I think performances breed confidence and I think the Celtic support have now got air in their lungs because the performances are now there and when you look at the two different type of performances in the last two league games, the performance at Ibrox, the performance at Celtic Park we now have confidence in the team that they can turn up and do two type of performances Mm -hmm. whereas before we didn't have that and I think when I think back to Ange Postacoglu actually saying the performance is sometimes more important than the result I get
4: what he means now. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I mean, you're saying there, we've, we've dropped points in six games this season. You're now 33 games in, which shows that you've won, what, 27 of the 33, which is a fantastic return, considering after the first six games, you're sitting there at sixth place. Everybody was writing us off. But you could see already from the performances, even in those games, even in that first game of the season, when you would such a depleted squad and you go to Castle. And they didn't look as if they were out of their depth. If it wasn't for a couple of decisions here and there, we could have came away from that game with at least something. Uh, the Livingston performance probably our worst of the season. And no, you take a t- look at the team that played that day and a lot of those players aren't playing just now. It's just the timing of going to these games. You look at that Livingston performance compared to the one four or five weeks ago when we went there and how far we've came over the season. It was always going to take a period of time for the style of football that Ange Postecoglou wanted to play to be embedded within the team. You can train it and train it and train it so much, but it's only when you're out there and actually playing it. And once we got that couple of wins going and the run started, you could see everybody was very, very comfortable with it and we moved on from there. So it was a kind of bad combination at the start of the season, but you'd rather drop those points at the start of the season than in this period we're in just now, where every point is crucial. You know that if you drop a point, it's a disaster going forward, because the next thing is, you've got this person on you, you've got the press on you, you've got whatever on you. We'll continue to go, and I said this to you guys, probably just before the turn of the year, that even though we were behind in the title race, it was in our hands. All we had to do was win every game between then and the end of the season Would be champions. We're giving that a really good go. We've only got another three to go.
3: We have, we have and like Brian do you think I would love to be in Europe I would love to be playing a last eight tie in European football this week but do you think having the week to prepare over the last few weeks since we went out to Bodo Glunt has helped the Celtic side on the training absolutely. pitch under Pat Ange Postercoglu
5: absolutely There's, it's, it's, you can see the difference week on week it's, it's really tangible and the, the funny thing we talk about things that said. One of the things he spoke about quite early, especially about kind of December thing when we got a lot of injuries and things like that, was about the character and the resilience. And how these players are facing challenges and they're, they're winning. so you imagine if you bring this team here, try to you know get a new way of playing football, there's injuries and escape things through? And it's not quite there. Then it starts getting better. Then you start getting the next team back. Then you get momentum back. It validates all that that resilience. And I think you saw that as you see, you saw two different performances between the Rangers game and this Johnston game I, I thought the performance against Rangers was exceptional just purely because it was sheer grit and determination not to lose and we never looked like we were really hanging on it was just we just everyone won their, their battles and it was real it was the, the flip side of that so performance isn't just about being fancy in the ball it's about digging in the players believing in each other believing in Ange believing in the system and feeling like we we're going to get this no matter what um, and you know you mentioned Bodo Glenn of course you'd like to still be in Europe at this stage but you've got to accept that Europe was probably going to be beyond us at the start of the season we knew that I, I thought the league might have been beyond us at the start of the season so I, I'm Dean Carvey hand up there as well I mean, don't get me wrong if this time next season we're not still in Europe I'll be disappointed because I think we should be, be making progress in that front um, that's,
3: that's a brilliant segue Brian you must have read the script. You must have You must have read the script where we're actually going next. Talking about next season, Dermot Desmond last week eh, put his head above the parapet for a wee sit-down with Jerry McCulloch. And we're unsure when it was recorded, but it was actually put out. 29th of March. 29th of March. So it was, before, yeah, the, like that.
4: It was so before
3: the game. it was guaranteed if we hadn't won at Ibrox... Would have be would came out the next time that we beat Rangers or we would have won the league. The interviews came out when the Celtic Celtic supporter absolutely cock a hoop. Um, it was an int- it was an interesting interview for as how much Dermot Desmond might it be interesting. Basically, what he actually says was nothing's going to change, and uh, we've been successful over the last twenty years. We work a certain way, and that's it. so. One thing I was pleased about, that he says that he wasn't going to sell his shares, because that's always been a big fear. At least we know what we're dealing with now. At least we know that that major shareholder's going to be there, and he's made it quite clear that nothing's going to change. Uh, Brown Warrior, the man who will let us know that he told us that in Maeda was a left winger right from the start, and we, and we, and we salute Brown Warrior for that. Wall looks good for the future, a sentence you don't hear often at, at Celtic, <laughs> at a Celtic state of mind. One way it came out in the interview, lads, was the, the spectre of Peter Wall is still stalking the corridors of Celtic Park. And Brian, you're talking about European football next season. Whatever happens on Sunday and whatever happens over the next seven weeks, Shouldn't they change what needs to happen in, the, in this? Uh, what, what needs to happen in this in, in the summer? Ange Postecoglou needs to be needs to be brought to make Celtic a credible force in Europe again. After that Der- 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 Desmond interview, Brian, do you think where things don't seem to have changed? Peter Law still involved. Do you think Ange Postecoglou will get backed in in his quest? for us to actually be a credible European force again?
5: I do, um, for a couple of reasons. One is because I think, I just don't imagine Ange being told what to do or who to sign, I think. He was quite clear very early on he wasn't happy with the recruitment process in terms of players too long to come in. And then you look at January, first day of January we've got three so that's tangible for me that he's saying like this is. I think what he is, I think he's a very clever man. And I think there's a system in place as Dermot Desmond the to that won't change, and I don't think it's going to change. But what Ange can do is within that remit is do it his way if that makes sense. So you can say right, I've got this budget for these players. These the players I want to sign, fine. But I'm deciding who these players are, and we need to sign them quicker. So I think he can operate within that system. The real question isn't. Because, I mean, if you look at it factually, we can't really argue with a lot of them, Desmond said. Cause there has been loads of success. You can't kind of that, has been tangible. It's what type of success. There's no means progress in Europe, which is, I think, what we're talking about. But in terms of what he's actually saying, it has been successful domestically, right? Um, so I think the club are as well. But I, I just feel like they can have the best of both worlds because they can sort of... But there. if they just leave him in charge, he'll his way and coalesce and they can both work. The question remains, is the wall influence? Because we saw what happened with 4809, Brendan Rodgers, we saw what happened with him. And that was purely because Peter Law was micromanaging to what did there. He right. was micromanaging. And that's what destroyed that relationship.
2: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet.
1: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
5: I don't imagine that's going to happen, Angie, and that's the intangible. Because if you get the board doing what they and they're saying they're not going to change, you get Angie doing, doing he's not going to change. It's worked well so far. The, the intangible is the wall factor, and if he's no micromanaging, I think it will work fine and I think we will progress. But that's the unknown, that's the C-
3: Colin. Colin, surely, surely, those the Grey Brigade in the boardroom must actually see that signing players to play a certain way works mm-hmm. and no try to shoehorn projects and potential in, into a club. Who, where they don't fit, there's been numerous that have never fitted Celtic and they're now playing the trade in far flung corners of the world. How many players have we brought in this season that have hit the ground running because they've been bought? Because poster call, who's mm-hmm. went by the way, we played a certain way, this guy's going to work. Yes, we've been extremely lucky that we've had a high percentage of a hit rate, but mm-hmm. surely the club has to trust the manager in the summer and go, I want a certain type of player, and this is the type of player you've got to go out and get me, instead of the interference. Well, DD D- says there wasn't any interference, but for me, the client clearly has been, we can list Timothy Costanga, we can list loads of other players where there was involvement from up, up top, which says, no, we can we go a certain route here. I'm I'm insanely jealous of some clubs in Europe this week. No, no Rangers. Other clubs in Europe this week who are still involved in the last stages of European competition. I know if we lose that game on Sunday, I will see Celtic win another Scottish Cup semi-final. Mm-hmm. I know if we lose this league title, I know I will see Celtic win another uh, win another league title. I want to see Celtic in another European quarter-final. I want to see Celtic in another European semi-final. And I want the club to do their damnedest to make that happen. And with Dermot Desmond actually saying that we've been successful in the last 20 years, but he did carry at it by actually saying we haven't won a European Cup. We gamble with European football every year. And... We need to. Doesn't matter what happens in the next seven weeks. We've got to aim for being a credible European force by
4: August. Uh, I'll put it out here, and I know Brian said it earlier on. I do not think Celtic will still be in Europe this time next year. And the reason for that being is that Brexit. all going all going well. we'll make it, <laughs> all going well, we'll make it into the the group stage of Champions League. All going well, I think we'll finish third in the group. And then you'll get a knockout tie in the Europa League. You'll maybe get past one round, but I can't see us getting that much further. But for me, that's progress. That's progress to the point that you've shown that when you get into the group stage, as long as we're not turned over, then we are getting up to that level. If you win one tie in a knockout phase next year, that is massive progress. It's been since 2004, since the last time that we've won a, a straight knockout game. So... I'd like to think we walk before we run and maybe over time when Ange has got this sort of plan over the next three or four years, then it will get to this stage of the season and we'll say we're still in Europe. But for me, getting to uh, getting to finish third in the, the Champions League group and then getting that um, round of 32, 16, whatever it is um, in the Europa League, because it's changed up a wee bit over the last season or two, that for me would be progress. Now, going back to the the idea of Peter Lawwell, I think what you've noticed is, and it's a widely accepted fact here, Peter Lawwell is still at Celtic. He's a non-executive director. um, And the reason that he's there is because he's part of the European Club Association. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. These people that have just changed the Champions League rules up and they've changed the whole thing up. He's part of that board. This summer, I do not think he had any involvement in any transfers at Celtic Football Club. And I think when you listen to Ange and you listen to when he's talking about the plans for next season, he keeps saying he's got a very good relationship with Michael. He's got a great relationship with Michael. Him and Michael sit down and they look at things and he is the final say. And what he's referring to, obviously, is Michael Nicholson, the, the current chief executive, who we believe is now the not just the interim, but the, no, the front, chief executive. Um, so... What we've seen here is Dermot said his son will be the next guy to come in to replace him. We've seen Michael Nicholson coming in as the chief executive. We see that Peter Lowell's still in and around the boardroom or the gravy grade, as um, uh, Kev called him earlier on. Underrated,
5: Kev, that never got the attention
4: it deserved. I've seen someone comment on it in the chat. Um, Would I be surprised if Peter Lowell is appointed the next chairman of Celtic Football Club? No, I wouldn't. And I don't think even in that position he would have an influence on Ange and his plans going forward for the season. So if Dermot wants to reward Peter for what he believes he's done and he makes him the chairman, that's up to Dermot. But going forward, Ange is getting his way and he's running the club by bringing in the transfers, by bringing in the the guys that are doing sports science, by bringing in the the sort of uh, football intelligence brains behind him as well. Who he wants, he's getting. And if he wins us a treble this season, there is nobody in that boardroom that's going to be able to tell him, no, you cannot do this over the summer.
5: One thing I remember as well is, sorry, Kev, just before you go on, is so, seeing you talk about, <clears throat> we talk about like signing project players and stuff like that, there's nothing to suggest that Abada, O'Reilly, only project players. They're just project players that Ange wanted. So he's still working within the dream of signing these younger guys and say them on at a profit, which is what I think probably Desmond is alluding to. Or it's just Andrew's doing it his way, if that makes sense. So I don't think you can getting like, told, these are the players you need to develop and sell on. I think he's picking the players that he'll develop and then sell on. I think that's probably the compromise. And that's why I think it will, it will be quite fluid as long as Andrew's still here.
3: Roddy McDonald And Roddy says this quite a few times in the comments over the last couple of days. So thanks for this, Roddy. Peter Raw always talked about brought, brought Ange, is that not enough? Give the guy credit. I found it really interesting, the whole story, or the whole story that they weren't projected out there, of how Ange Postacoglu ended up at the club, that like, he was on a short list of five that had spoke to his agent, and it turned out that, Dedma, that Desmond had done the exact same as what a lot of us done with men when he heard Ange Postacoglu's name was Google and watched, watched the same YouTube videos as they for 40, 40 we watched. We all know the reasoning why Ajposta Coglu ended up at this club call and then we can actually all agree that there's been a massive stroke of luck and it was good fortune that he was
4: sitting on that list. It was. I'd like to think that at the same time though even if he was someone who was interviewed for the job and you look at it he wasn't just going to be the, the panic choice. As much as it came across that way at the time, if he wasn't going to be the right man for the job, he wouldn't have got it if he wasn't qualified enough. So all this nonsense that was, was going on back then, and there was people definitely who says, never heard of him, just wrote, wrote him off completely. At least the, the club were able to kind of spend a wee bit of time listening to what Dermot says and do a bit of research. It did take, what, about 10 days from the first sign of him being appointed to when he was actually given the job. At least they've done their due diligence after the fact that they found themselves in a very difficult situation.
3: D- definitely. And after i been uh, in the interview, uh, Desmond actually says that, he says, after speaking to him for five minutes, I knew that he was a man who managed Celtic football club. And I think that's easy to see because the big fella's won us over time and time again this season uh, just by the way that he plays football and the way that he's... Uh, ultimate ambassador for our football club and he gets our, what the support of value and the culture of the of the club. You mentioned, well they are not the 10 o'clock news. Uh, Brian, Christopher Scott, Bayern, Bayern Munich has been mentioned. There was a wee rumour that he was at the game, at the he was at the St. Johnson game. He's the attacking midfielder, he's played two games for Bayern Munich interest eh? in he a project?
5: Well, I was just going to say, I think that's 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 sort of indicative of my, my point. I actually think he's probably someone that I just picked that fits the system, but also fits Celtic's remit and who they want to sign. So I think in many ways that would be quite a good a good fit. Um, and I don't imagine you're going to go for Bayern Munich, even if you're a reserve player or whatever, and come to Celtic and you know, go be a first game player. So I would expect if he's going to come in, that's what it's for, and, and by all accounts, he fits the sort of Ange mode how what a player would be. Um, so I was so quite excited. And then just just quickly, just to play devil's advocate a bit. long. I actually suspect it Ange was a Peter low influenced decision because obviously his son Mark is still head of recruitment at the City Group, isn't he? Obviously, Ange uh, was at the City Group on your So I think that that seems to me as if he probably was. Will's pick but maybe they will trying to give Dom the credit at the time maybe in case didn't work maybe he'd, he'd big him up I don't know but, so I think you uh, do give him credit for that but, but yes yeah, I, I suspect Christopher Stock probably is a, a project signing but it'd be an Ange project if that makes sense
3: it's an, it's interesting, Colin, eh? That we've sent two young lads and Barry Hepburn and Liam Morrison to Bayern Munich, and this guy's been there, seen it, done it. Got two two first team two first team games and decided, I want out of here.
4: Eh? I think um, when you take a look at the the progression of guys like Jeremy Frimpong, um, uh, who made a the breakthrough there, and then has went on and done so well in the Bundesliga, he's an example to other youngsters, not just in England but obviously across Europe that. If they think they're good enough to be playing first-team football at that age, then Celtic's potentially an option for him, I didn't know if he, he was at the game or not, but I'm sure if he was, then he's was it. Was, it was never confirmed. No, nah, I'm sure he would have loved to enjoy watching the pure attacking football that he could have been part of next season if he was there. Uh,
3: the other player um, that's in the not the 10 o'clock news, uh, Uragide. The Oostenders want to sign them eh, on a permanent basis, but this says that the, the deal's a bit too expensive. And Celtic insiders, haven't they got a clue who these Celtic insiders are? I think it's probably Mike at the car park at the back of the Celtic end, has actually said it's more than likely the big Uruguidi will be moving on in the summer. Colin, this is just a case of a
4: legacy issue here, eh? He's been quite a, a mainstay within that Oostend team over the last couple of weeks as well, and they've been on a decent run. So, like Oostend have uh, managed to get two cracking deals out of Celtic, and don't be surprised if that's where he, he ends up in the summer Um, for about six weeks till they find somewhere else to buy him because they, they've managed to do that to us before. But, like, good luck to him. Um, I don't think he was particularly going to be someone who came in and had a, a great impact in the Celtic team he played very well in that game against Betis in the second half. But apart from that, he was never really in and around the team. So um, if he gets a career elsewhere, then all the best to him.
3: Definitely. For me, it just looks like maybe him and Liam Shaw were a a hangover from the previous idea of what Celtic Football Club was all about and what Celtic Football Club is going to be completely different going forward. Well, that's the hour in. So I'm going to go to some of the com- comments because there's some of them that I'm actually laughing at. Chloe, who I brought up earlier. Afternoon, everybody leading up with COVID at the moment. Axon cheering me up. Hope you get well soon. Well, Chloe, you get soon Chloe. I hope it is not a very nice thing. Patrick Dolan, eh, I've not listened live for a couple of weeks. Withdrawal CSC. Either know that, Patrick, I've been on holiday. So hey,
5: that. <laughs>
3: <you. laughs> uh, Studs Lanigan, Kev's got some tan, and Stevie St- Stevie Kenny, Kevin, you're like a pint of milk, mate. Lads. I'm factor fifty Celtic supporters club all the way. I'm yeah. lathered in factor fifty. The, the sun, the sun and me. I go from grey to red back to grey, so I'm 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 quite happy to stay out the sun. And other folk have been bringing up that my clock is an hour. That's an hour, <laughs> hour yeah, behind. That. That's, that's
4: been doing everybody's boxing
3: the chat. Well, I'm actually quite glad it's done everybody's boxing because I'm on winter time, and uh, I, just want, I just I just I just want I just want easy to freak you out really. You say Lance. that until
4: you're an hour late to turn up for <laughs> one of these shows or one of the games. And then you're uh, going, oh, I have changed the clock. Okay, just before we finish, we've got, it's worth mentioning the, um, the under-17s and the under-15s and the Adidas Generation Cup that's going on over in America at the minute. Uh, congratulations to the under-17s. They topped their table with three wins out of three. Um, one of them was a penalty win, and they go on to the last 16 of that tournament where they'll play Columbus Crew tonight at 10 o'clock, which... I believe it's on YouTube or on Twitch, so check that out for the 17s. The 15s didn't do so well, they finished bottom of their table with only one point, but the way that the tournament's laid out, they've still got another couple of games that they get to play uh, before they they have to come back home, but good signs for the youngsters going forward that the under-17s are doing really well. Under-15s maybe just need to grow up a wee bit Call and I'm actually
3: quite glad you pay attention to stuff like that. Like my clock, I did not pay attention to st- stuff. But Brian, you went off a of that there as if we were holding you hostage and you and, and like we're ho- yeah. we have
5: been. <laughs>
4: so
5: <laughs> so I, I, him. Him, no, we don't have just escaped. have escaped. <laughs> so, so, so it was a bit bright. I looked like angelic, and I'm no so I put it down. But then it's a bit dark. So I'm sorry <laughs> <sitting. laughs> For, uh, those, who, for uh, those who are uh, listening in uh, on audio only, this will make uh, no sorry sense. Incredible <laughs> <it's a> <laughs> podcasting,
4: but I'm just using the light in my my window. Would you Would you call that model film with Ben Stiller? Oh, oh, Zoolander. Zoolander, that's the way you're acting. I'm just trying to get the right light on the right side. Give us the give us the Avalon.
3: Well, since <laughs> we have mentioned Zoolander, I'm, <laughs> <That's> I'm sure. <laughs> Great content as usual. I hate calling it content, but this that was great content for the audio listeners there. <laughs> that will make no sense for them whatsoever on the morning on their morning commute tomorrow. Lads, this has been great. Everybody in the comments who's been watching Yes, has have been absolutely brilliant. Thank you. It's great to be back. I forgot how difficult it was to read the comments and try and talk at the same time. But I'm sure I'll get used to it again. Lads, I'll speak to you all later and good luck to Celtic at the weekend and we'll all see you next week. Hail, hail and always keep it Celtic. <laughs>